Maddie. I am Ryan, and this is the Mutant Ages. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. There's confetti. It's Pride confetti. It is Pride this month. <laughs> that's that's and the confetti ball opening, and it's exploding open. Is it like this that confetti ball in that Super Smash exactly Brothers? That was exactly what I was like, Okay, so it's like beep, like items beep. going everywhere, <laughs> and then like a gun falls <laughs> and on your head. Food comes yeah, out. A gun, food. <laughs> it's Pride. Happy Pride. I mean, if it's Xavier's Institute, guns falling out of confetti, like guns falling out of a pinata, would not be a surprise. Yeah, that's a really great point. And also, they would already be going off, and it would be like mutant alarm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this is the Mutant Ages, a show where we watch every adaptation of the X Men. And talk about how gay they are. And yeah. Back when we were young, we experienced a change. We felt a power grow in us, both wonderful and strange. The power to care about the X-Men and the mutant brotherhood. All of their adventures, more than anyone should. From the comic book page. just started season three of x-men evolution yay we i i've stated this to maddie in our personal slack but i'm going to share it with all of our listeners that i have frequently since i was a teenager have gone back and watched the last three episodes of season two and the first three episodes of season three mm-hmm. frequently i used to watch it all the time between like 18 and 21 because i had downloaded them to my computer yeah. and i would just watch them all the time and i kept on being like this is really good this is really good <laughs> And I think as an adult, I definitely understand why it's good. It's it's very good at doing the queer metaphor and sort of like dealing with what we were dealing with. You know what I, I mean, mean? It's good at that, but it's also just good storytelling. Like even aside from the it metaphors, is, it's, it's so good, pacing, good. It's fun to watch. It's thrilling. You're genuinely like, what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's like so many things going on, which we can recap in a second. I guess I guess I'll do previously on the X-Men right the fuck now. A lot of stuff happened in season two. You know, obviously we had the X-Men that were already introduced in season one, but then we were introduced to the new mutants with a lot of spotlight on both Iceman and Magma. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had Boom Boom, who was one of the new mutants, and she did not want to put up with Professor Xavier's shit. So she left and lived with the Brotherhood for a while. The Brotherhood really was were not the enemies of the X-Men in the second season. Mm -hmm. Mystique was missing. We didn't know where she was. And eventually she came back and kicked Boom Boom out. And Mystique's on the warpath. She wants to just straight up kill Magneto right now. And Xavier, for that matter. Like, (laughs) Mystique doesn't give a shit about either of those guys. And it's incredible. And I love her in this episode. I mean, it really is. Mystique is my favorite favorite episode. She's my favorite character on the show. Besides, like, boom, boom. She's so fun. Uh, Mystique has also gone to a stereotypical insane asylum where Magneto has locked Wanda Maximoff up for being out of control and Xavier's going there on the weekends to mentally torture her. And Mystique saves her. Yes, with the help of Agatha all along. Mm -hmm. And the two of them are now working together and Wanda also wants to like exact revenge on Magneto. Although it seems as if she doesn't actually want him dead. 
You know what I mean? She keeps on doing that thing. Well, like she's like, I want to kill Magneto, but if he's alive, like I'm, if he does die, I'm a little scared about that. Pietro, on the other hand, who's also been traumatized by Magneto, is also trying to still seek his approval, mm-hmm. which he then betrays the Brotherhood to do repeatedly. Yeah, at the end sad, of season two, very sad stuff. And on top of all this, we've had we've been introduced to Hank McCoy, who has been the typical beast. Yeah. Self-hating beast. He's basically the same character that he always is in everything, but we love that character, so it's it's fun to have him around. He's got a good arc because in this show, the New Mutants have interacted with him directly since Storm and Wolverine just weren't there, mm-hmm. and Beast <laughs> has had to come to terms with being a mutant and being gay through these kids who were showing him it was okay to accept that part of himself, which has been a really interesting arc for him in season two. Yep. Uh, Logan didn't do anything. I don't even know like where Logan's been. Logan's been putting his mask on and then his motorcycle helmet over his mask and then taking it off in, in that order over and over again <laughs> for the past two and seasons. And then the rest of his clothes for Sabretooth. So Wolverine has been kidnapped because he was cruising in the sewers along with Sabretooth and the government came and kidnapped him because Bolivar Trask is now here and he hates mutants because yeah. he had some sort of queer experience at some point in his life. And got really scared and he was like, I need to create huge fucking robots called Sentinels to kill all mutants and use government funding secretly to do it with this like black ops team of soldiers that he works with. So he's been secretly creating those and Magneto found out about that and that was the two-part season finale was Magneto doing this elaborate plan to trick all the mutants that he knew, including his kids, into running into the Sentinels. And Pietro helped Magneto do this so that mutants would be outed to the entirety of society by Magneto setting up this huge Sentinel fight in the middle of New York City and destroying a bunch of buildings, putting people in danger, putting mutants in danger, and also getting all of it all over the news presumably international news like this is insane that like there's this super powered people fighting a huge fucking robot in the middle of new york like that is how the season ended is mutants are outed this is now a completely different show like we went from being in sort of a fun buffy the vampire slayer kind of a vibe where like people have superpowers but they're also normal high school students and they're closeted they can't tell anybody they're mutants to this which is like the mutants are on the run they're in the sewers they're running into the morlocks which we'll get to they're oppressed in like a very literal way like right violently the x-men have gone from they've been exposed to like the entire public so all, everyone at school now knows that they're mutants yes. and it's very much like a queer outing and it's a very heavy metaphor for that uh, but what's very different now is that the first two seasons of the show, we deal with the X-Men goofing off. We have like Kurt eating burgers and like boom, boom, blowing up lockers. And like, that's the worst of their problems for the most part. Mm-hmm. And from this point forward, the tone of the show changes drastically, which I think was a bold move on their part. And I also think that's why they got cut off in season four is that they mm-hmm. decided not to keep it kid friendly and continue telling the story that they're telling right now. Yeah. Where like things don't get better for the X-Men from this point forward. And in fact, something that I already went ahead and watched like parts of the next couple episodes because I love them that much. Yep. Like it's like I'm going to watch these three episodes at least like 30 times between the next three weeks that we're recording this. Uh-huh. But Something that's really interesting that you can start paying attention to now in this episode is that it's mostly kids that are now being forced to deal this with this world that, yeah. I don't know, that they've been exposed to. And characters like Storm and Mystique and Logan and Beast, all four of them, repeatedly start saying things like, 
we're all going to die. Nobody's going to help us. No, everybody's going to want to kill us. And it's like, it's really sort of sad because then these younger mutants, these younger queer kids are like, okay, but like, what if we don't do that? What if we like fight back and work together? And it's going to be yeah. really, really fucking hard. And like, yeah, but like Storm, like in this, Mystique says, get used to people trying to kill you. Later on, at the end of this episode, Storm's like basically like, yeah, they're going to come and all kill us now. And like the next episode, Logan's like, they're trying to kill us. So we got to kill them before they kill all of us. And it's really sort of like this sad narrative where all these adult mutants are so terrified about what's about to happen. Mm -hmm. And the kids are the kids don't even know what to do. And they're the ones that are going to be forced into dealing with the public in a way that Storm and Wolverine and Beast and Xavier are not going to be doing. And I and even Mystique. And I find that really fascinating. Like, yeah, really fascinating. I, I think that was intentional that they were like, OK, these older queers are really fucking jaded about what's going to happen next. And they're terrified. They're terrified for their lives and they're terrified for these kids lives. Mm -hmm. We're going to go right into the opening. But like the opening of the season three is fucking dark. It's like they're like, what happened? And then like literally 300 cops, the SWAT teams show up like military shows up and they just start trying to kill them. Like yeah, that is that's like the entire episode is the military and cops and riot gear trying to kill our heroes everywhere they go. They are literally like running to the sewers there. It's crazy. Like what is happening? And to be fair, I'm on Mystique's side in this. And we're going to get to it. Scott like basically fucks her over at oh the end. Oh my God. Okay. I, I hate him so much for that. So I guess we should just start yeah. because like, let's start at the end of the last episode. So Mystique blew up the school, yes. number one. And she did this very elaborate plan where she's been posing as Charles Xavier. For like we a don't couple know days Xavier at least. Is. Yeah, we don't know where she stashed Xavier, which like, I would be fine with it if he was dead. <laughs> Unfortunately, she didn't kill Xavier and he's going to come back in a couple of apps. But right. until then. You exactly. Know. And she blew up the school with the kids inside of it. I was just going to say it's really funny that your favorite episodes are the ones Xavier isn't in. That's all. Anyway. I mean, like, that's not funny. I mean, we know that he's a piece of shit. But okay, so like... <laughs> Mystique blew up the school with the kids in it. She pushed Scott away and also teamed up the Brotherhood with the X-Men to fight against Magneto. Now, for the longest time, we were like, why did Mystique blow up the school? And it's that we're never going to find out, really. But I do have three theories. Mm -hmm. And I, I like the theory where you said where she was going to blow up everything so the cops wouldn't find proof of all this. But yes. then you're like, why did she blow up that? The building with the kids in it does she not care does she not want the cops to find them and then torture them i actually think it's all part of her strategic plan i think that she knew if she pushed cyclops away that cyclops would come back with boom boom who she also just recently pushed out of her own home mm -hmm. and would go and get the kids out now I, I think it's cutting it close but i think she knew that Sky cyclops would come and save them if she removed him from the uh situation yeah i mean i i think it's also entirely possible that she just decided it was okay if the kids were collateral damage and that she was just trying to destroy xavier's legacy because she hates him <laughs> And she was just like, I just want to destroy Xavier's mansion because that's a huge source of his power. Like, he has a ton of weapons in there. He's got Cerebro. Well, I think she knew if she blew up Cerebro, it would keep the government from finding out about all these mutants. Mm -hmm. And so maybe she was like, if these mutants have to die in order to protect further mutants, I'm willing to take that risk. I yeah, mean, like, that is Mystique, unfortunately, is that she would just kind of be like, whatever. If the kids get out of the school, okay, but, like, I don't really care. She made sure that Rogue and Nightcrawler were not in the school when that happened. Mm -hmm. She she saved like all the strongest mutants and then was kind of like, yeah, those kids can stay behind. I mean, like it is shitty. Like, I don't know. I, I guess I have to assume just because I like Mystique that she believed that the kids would make it out of there. But like, 
We don't really know. I mean, I don't know. But anyway, so that's where we are now. Cyclops has picked up Xavier and thrown him on the ground, and Mystique has gotten up, and she's like, "Ha ha ha!" I was yes, Xavier I all did along. Do this. <laughs> and everyone's like, "What is happening?" Yeah. And that is where we pick up today. This is the opening of season three. The first line is like Scott demanding to know where Xavier is. Yes, and that he explains that he saw in security footage that he saw that Mystique shape shifted out of Xavier form and into Mystique to like set Dafcon floor and like make a peace sign at the camera yeah. before leaving. Yeah, and just be like, "It's me, Mystique." Ha 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 ha. Yeah. And Storm is basically like, "How long have you been impersonating the professor? Where the fuck did he go?" And Jean tries to use her powers on Mystique, and it doesn't work. For for some reason, which is interesting. I don't know how she's doing that. And then Mystique goes, if you ever want to see Xavier again, you'll back off. But before they can get into it, a bunch of cop cars roll up and also the SWAT team and they're surrounding everybody and it's pretty fucked up. And then all of the X-Men and Brotherhood characters have to work together to fight against the cops and the military in this like long fight scene that happens. Right. And it's like two seconds in this mm-hmm. conversation is maybe like 30 seconds long between them and Mystique. And then when they hear the sirens and they're like, what the fuck is happening? I mean, obviously the school blew up, but like it blew up like a while ago. You know what I mean? Like it's like, so this, it's not like the cops are coming to investigate the school that blew up. They're following the X-Men yeah, from this. They're battle. following the mutants because like the rumor had already been that these mutants were at Xavier's school. And so they know to go there. And so the cops are basically just there to murder all of these superpowered humans, like indiscriminately, like they're not even asking questions or like really trying to capture them. They're just trying to kill them. And so the kids right. all use their powers. Like Bobby uses his ice powers to like make all the cops slip and fall down. The cops are like freeze. And Iceman's like, sure thing. Yeah. Scott blows up a cop tire. It's yep. like, there's like all this crazy shit. So like Scott blows up a cop tire, but then all the new mutants are cornered by like the cops are all pointing guns at them. Mm-hmm. And Berserka like electrocutes the cars to blow them up. Yeah. And then he's like, make tracks and the kids start running. Yeah. I mean, the kids are terrified, by the I way. Think it's interesting that the kids are all trying to avoid hurting the cops. Like everything we described is like sort of non-violent ish, like Bobby using ice to trip them and stuff. But then Boom Boom just literally throws a bunch <laughs> of bombs at the cops and is like, I don't give a shit. And like, they could fucking die. I don't She's care. also laughing yeah. while she does it. Like she throws the bombs at some trees that fall on the cops and kill them. And Boom's like suckers. Yeah. Like one cop grabs multiple men. He splits into a bunch of men and multiple men and runs away. And the mm-hmm. cops like, the fuck is even happening? So now this other cop calls in other cops who show up in like that absurd military gear. It's, it becomes very much what we've experienced in the past year where it's like, I'm going to call the cops and we're going to have military funding for the cops. Yep. And that's what's going to happen right now. Yeah. And luckily Scarlet Witch is just there and she's like, oh, fuck this. And she just like blows them all up. Yeah. She <laughs> uses her powers to like disappear all of their guns, which is very cool. Um, There's a running thing in this episode where Toad keeps trying to hit on Wanda, which is very funny because Wanda reads as so gay in this version of her. I know. Which is interesting because like I don't think of Wanda as like queer coded normally, but in this iteration right. of her, she's just so butch and amazing. Like, I don't know. I feel like Toad's not getting it and yeah, he's already spent most of the first two seasons hitting on Scott. So it's like a where what okay. I know I don't know I mean maybe it's like he's hitting on Wanda because he knows it's not going to work out and like he's also gay I don't know it's kind of cute I mean everybody here is gay yeah. so then then some helicopters show up with like more missiles a storm creates like a whirlwind that sends them flying away mm-hmm. Jean's psychically throwing cops away 
And then some cops grab Jean and they throw into a cop car and they're like, you're coming with us. And like Kurt teleports in and commandeers the car. He's like, thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so really funny. Kurt drive, basically drives the getaway cop car for a while. And like all the other mutants that are capable of, of getting in the car do like Kitty phases into the back seat. Storm flies in and grabs Scott away from some cops that surrounded him. OK, wait. Yeah. Like Scott gets surrounded by like another 20 fucking cops and military gear that just show up. There's like at this point, there's like. 150 cops yeah. it's like out of control like how many there are and how when how many of them are willing to just shoot at children i mean it's pretty real though um so they are in a high-speed chase at this point against the cops and they reach a blockade but jane just uses her powers to like allow the car well first they grab bobby this is important because bobby's, yeah, bobby's in the car as well yeah they grab bobby because he's the only one that didn't go with the new mutants because this is sort of like the main x-men team and then the new mutants team and this is when bobby becomes one of the main characters they're like okay you're with us now like you know like at the end shot of this episode they show all the x-men that have been like the main characters but bobby is now with them and mm-hmm. it just kind of stays that way. Yeah. He doesn't get his own opening credit, though. Oh, we didn't even mention that. The opening for this changed. Yeah. The X-Men Illusion opening is now totally different. It's still playing the same music, but they've added in some more riffs and stuff to do more credits. But it's like, it's, it was really interesting because the shots they chose to showcase these characters are like some of the gayest ones on the show. It was like the end of season two happened. The X-Men are out. And here's their like queer x-men evolution opening now and it shows so many of them and it's like it's so good like i watched that opening like three times in a row this week when i watched the Mm -hmm. episode yeah i mean it's fun i it's not to say that i the opening hadn't grown on me before but it was definitely cool to see a completely different one because like you know we've been watching it over and over like in a way that like i spent the animated series and didn't do where they like sometimes change the music and it would be like shittier (laughs) this was actually cool yeah um anyway so bobby slipped those cops away and that's when he they they do like the ET thing with the with the car the car. They f- right. And they fly it up. Jean uses her powers to fly them over the moon like ET. And Scott isn't in the car, by the way. He's with Storm. Scott's like Elliot. <laughs> Wait, so anyway. Yeah. So Scott and Storm are together for the moment. And he's Scott sends a message to everybody through their communicators basically to be like, let's meet at Makeout Point. It's called Lookout Point on the show, but we call it Makeout Point on this we show. We call it Makeout Point. Yeah. But first, we get like a flash of a lot of different news reports. I wrote them all down. I did too. But there's like 60 news reports that are all like montaged together to basically convey how much has happened. Right. It's like a thousand things. It says frightened citizens flee in terror. Then it lists off like a bunch of the X-Men, like Gene and Kitty and Evan. And I like they're like publicly announcing they're like, these kids are gay. Yeah. All right. And full names, like full names and also their parents' names in Jean Grey's case. Uh, so the news reporters say, who are they? Flesh and blood or some kind of mutant monsters? Are we being invaded by alien beings? A special report tonight. And it says there's refusals to comment on the rumors of the entire student body being gay. <laughs> it says the classmates at Bayville High have seen many strange sights, uh, including Principal Kelly, who's cautioning everyone not to overreact. Yeah, there's like a military guy at a press conference who's basically talking about how they've taken a bunch of mutants captive. We're going to see them later. But like Logan is one of them, which and- is like fucked up to even announce that. And then and then we see that like there's a shot of newspapers blowing around the city and sirens going off and people are running inside their houses unlocking the doors and like yeah it says fear rules the day as national paranoia grips the country neighbor versus neighbor friend against friend entire families afraid to step outside the doors for fear of the mutant menace which was pretty fucking dark and then i'm also like 
this is how the MCU needs to handle this. Like, it has to be this way. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, also, this was post 9-11, by the way. Like, I, this is, like, different from the queer metaphor, but it was something that reminded me of it was, like... Well, we were also just talking about in the last episode that Sentinel, like, crashed into, like, two towers and we're like, uh, was that on purpose? Yeah, I don't think that was, but this was definitely post 9-11 and the idea of something horrific happening and it making everybody paranoid, like, the extent of the xenophobia and, like, Islamophobia after 9-11 was absurd and, like, the laws that were able to be passed to crack down on everybody was, Oh, my God. It's was, like, like, yeah, like, I mean, okay, here's the thing that we're still living in the fallout from I that. Know. And I don't mean, like, I, I don't mean, like, the PTSD of having the... The, the attacks, two towers yeah. blow up. Yeah. Okay. So if you are like Muslim or anybody from the Middle East now, like there is still so much racism towards those people yep. that is totally uncalled for. Like if you are an American citizen that is from the Middle East, the way that white people treat those people is horrible. Yeah. It's like we still haven't walked away from that. It became so much more extreme um, in that time period. Right. And people still think that like it's this incredibly horrible xenophobia that has happened since then. So yeah. Like, I mean, I'm, this not whole to spiral out of control here on this <laughs> no, topic, I mean, but like this part reminded me of it because so we get to see the newspaper headline that gets dropped off that says monsters among us. Can you trust your neighbors? And like, do you remember during this time period, it was basically like anybody could be a terrorist and you need to stop trusting everyone. And like the idea of that just secret radicalization that could happen was just a part of all the propaganda that we were seeing for like basically the past 20 years since 9-11. Right. I feel like a lot of these kinds of bigotry sort of overlapped where it was like, okay, like various marginalized people are basically just going to attack you and like be secret and be among us and radicalize your children essentially. And like that narrative, I feel like this show is sort of picking up on that and like tying it in as like yet another metaphor that's going on. And I just, I just thought it was interesting because I was like, Oh yeah, like that's another form of commentary that we could be making at this time period. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, all this is really fucked up and we have the last bit that says the president saying my fellow Americans, this is the time for getting facts, not finger pointing, not turning against one another as your president. I urge you above all to stay calm. So this is clearly not any American president that we've had besides like Obama. Yeah, I mean, like George Bush wasn't <laughs> telling people to stay calm in this time period. Or, or President Trump. I mean, like, I, I don't even know, like, we don't need to revisit that. I don't want to go spiral <laughs> into 2020 again because we're not in 2020 anymore. And we're still trying to deal with the damage from that. So mm-hmm. like, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> in this time period, we were in Bush's presidency. So like that was what the the politics were that we were dealing with. Right. So like, it's really interesting. I feel like they, they were pulling a little bit more from the Bill Clinton era than the Bush era. If I had to take a guess. Yeah. I mean, tough call. Yeah. Who uh, knows? Anyway, so then we see the city streets of New York. We see a bunch of police officers and sirens like spiraling around and everybody's like shining flashlights in alleyways and stuff and luckily the new mutants were able to successfully hide in an alley and not be found and berserker's the one who's sort of leading the way now because bobby's gone and so berserker's kind of taken over as the de facto leader of these new mutants and so he leads them down into the sewers where they're going to meet up with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, and it's going to yes, be great. Yes, I mean, Donatello is waiting for them right now. Yep. And actually, they're going to order like, a pizza. Hey, guys. Yeah, it's good. Everything's OK. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, in Warcraft Valley, the Ninja Turtles and the X-Men do hang out because like it's not a stretch for them to do that, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like the, the turtles are mutants, too. So it's fine. It all works out. OK, so then out in the woods, um, Bobby is pacing around and Cyclops and Storm walk up to him 
and Bobby like attacks them thinking that they're going to fucking kill him. But it turns out it's just Cyclops and Storm meeting up with the rest of the mutants at Makeout Point. And they're all like super paranoid and like yelling at each other in the dark. And so then after they all calm down, Mystique shows up with the Brotherhood and is like, get used to this shit everything's fucked yeah like the line is bobby says sorry it just seems like everyone in this country is hunting mutants and Mm -hmm. mystique just says get used to it which is like dark as fuck like she's already like she's like i already know what's gonna happen now yeah sorry i'm like a thousand years old yeah so yeah and so scott sees mystique and is immediately pissed again and is like tell us what the fuck is going on and mystique is like when i'm ready look i want you all to know that i had nothing to do with magneto's plan to expose our little secret to the world it's a new world out there and we're gonna need new leadership if nothing else this public reaction proves that xavier was wrong humans and mutants cannot live together in peace i mean is she wrong though for saying that she's not wrong but i also feel like xavier wouldn't have wanted this to be how the public reaction was doled out like he wanted to do it like super slowly and carefully whereas magneto obviously wanted to do it this way basically to prove that xavier could never be right so it's well i i i think magneto's version is like we got xavier who's like i'm gonna slowly like get to know everybody and let y'all very slowly that i maybe buy but actually <laughs> i'm gay yeah and magneto's and then magneto shows up like on the pride parade float and he's like we're all gonna fuck right here in front of you and yeah. it's like whoa and you don't like that <laughs> do you and it's like okay magneto um well i mean mystique is somewhere like in between because clearly she doesn't like magneto at this point either yeah so, yeah i mean magneto just endangered a bunch of children like, arguably so did mystique yeah, but I know, whatever i know i know um like there's there are at this point there are no adult leaders in this universe who are like gonna help them I know. you know what i mean i know I know. So Jean is like, why are you even here, Mystique? What are you doing? <laughs> and Mystique is like, I want the same thing you want. The military has taken a member of my team. I want him back. The problem is I don't know where to start looking. And then, of course, who should show up? But Nick Theory, who just walks <laughs> out of the why? bushes. Okay, everybody keeps walking out of the bushes in this scene. Like, it's It's really funny. funny. It's, it's so close to having Bishop popping out and screaming, time travel is real. Yeah, I think we just have to assume Bishop actually also is in the bushes and he just doesn't come out here. But, like, everyone is in the Apparently, apparently he was going to be in season four or five. I was reading about from the creator's notes and he was supposed to be in there. Mm, which I is totally really believe interesting. it. Yeah, I bet they wanted to put in time travel. Okay, it's also funny because even Kurt calls it out and he's like, is there anyone that didn't know about the secret meeting? Which is like really funny because there's so many characters in the scene. Oh, I know. And then Mystique's like, who are you? What do you want? First, Nick's like, Nick Fury, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. I've been tracking you for hours. And Icaro's like, shield. And then for some reason, Lo- Scott says, Logan told me about it. It's kind of like a super CIA. And I'm like, why did Logan tell Scott that? I, I was like, what? Whatever. <laughs> why did that even come up? But like, sure. Okay. Then we have this awesome scene where Mystique goes, I strongly suggest you forget where you found us. And Mystique snaps her fingers. And then the little brotherhood stands up front of yeah, her. Yeah, they all like snap to it. And yeah, they're doing like, a, they're, we're going back to this like West Side Story dance again. Yeah. Everybody's Nick like, Fury also starts snapping yeah. in the, and then and then all the shield agents come out with like jazz hands and guns and yeah, they're and like they're all standing in front of Nick and like everybody's doing a dance routine together. By the way, Jean Grey <laughs> sets zero of these people who have showed up. I know. So thanks, Jean. Useless. Whatever. Useless. Uh, then then Nick Fury snaps again and they all disarm. And Nick Fury goes, That's just to prove a point. If I wanted to capture you, then you'd be captured. 
And Storm's like, okay, so if you're not here to shoot us, then I don't understand what the fuck you're here for. Yeah. And Nick Fury hands them like this little like iPhone. Yeah. And he goes to give you this. And he hands it to Storm. And he's like, it contains maps and schematics of the military base where they're holding your friends. I think you'll find it useful. And Mixteek's like, okay, but why the fuck are you helping us? And Nick Fury just turns to the camera and smiles and goes, let's just say... I've got my reasons. And I was like, okay, this show just blatantly admitted that Nick Fury and Logan are fucking like 100%. Like like, what other reason would it be? I don't know. And Nick Fury is basically just like, listen, I work for the government, so I can't like officially free all the mutants, but I know you guys have the superpowers and capacity to do it. So like, can you save my boyfriend anyway? Bye. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's literally it. That's literally it. I mean, mean, he's got a soft spot for the mutants because he's dating one, you know? I mean, Nick Fury always has had a soft spot for the mutants, and I don't know how they're going to handle it in the MCU because the version that they're using in there is the younger son of Nick Fury, mm-hmm. the one that's Samuel L. Jackson. But I think he would still be, too, because like that's that's all Nick Fury's deal. He's like all for the superpowered folk and helping them out, you know? So and like, I don't know. Maybe he has a little crush on Wolverine. Depends. Depends on when you ask him and what mood he's in. Wouldn't it be really funny if the, in the MCU, for some reason, like that was the first gay character was like Logan and Nick Fury. They'd be like... <laughs> point blank they like here you go yeah that would be so random i don't know so everybody just leaves so then nick fury and his his uh musical theater troupe leave they backflip into the bushes and like literally disappear yeah i know um and avalanche is like do you think we can trust him and gene is like i don't know i sense they were telling the truth though and it's like thanks for finally using your powers gene (laughs) (laughs) we're back to this now and so storm is like okay great let's split up into teams scott you and gene and then mystique like interrupts her grabs the iphone away and is like i'll take that and i'll decide how we handle this and then storm is like uh what the fuck i'm in charge here and they just like start <laughs> screaming at each other and it's and like a, a whole thunderstorm just breaks out lightning's shooting between them yeah and mystique's like i told you before to back off and gene's like storm no remember the professor and i'm like guys why are we trying to save professor xavier whatever I know, I know and so they're like okay i guess we have to work on mystique's terms in order to like get the professor back which is like very funny because it basically just means that they agree that mystique can be in charge of the entire fucking mission like from this point on i i don't even know and so then after storm calms down mystique says wise counsel yeah and i I like that line she's like all right our first priority is magneto we need to know if he really perished under that sentinel robot and Wanda's like he's alive and mystique's like yeah, knowing Magneto, I highly doubt that he died. Yep. Uh, so Toad, go to New York and find out what you can. And Wanda's like, I'm going to. And Toad's like, wanna fuck? And Wanda's like, hell no, I'm gay. <laughs> and Mystique is like, fine, both of you can go. I don't really give a shit. You're both gay. So like, I don't need to worry about I, Wanda getting pregnant or yeah, whatever. Yeah, Mystique's like, I don't even care about this. Like, whatever, yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, the rest of us will use Fury's schematics to plan a rescue operation. Now we'll need some transportation. And then we cut over to the Blackbird, which is being guarded by the military because they like, took it was it the blackbird or was it just like another blackbird so actually it's not the blackbird it's it's the x-copter the plastic helicopter because they refer to that like later in the episode they're like this is the velocity which is apparently the title of that ship really i don't remember that happening yeah they call it the velocity at some point which like apparently that's the velocity yeah apparently that's the name of the plastic helicopter um, it's not in any other piece of X-Men media that I could find. It's only on this show. So yeah, it's, okay, well, fine. it's the Velocity. 
and it's being guarded by just one soldier like alone and it's like why do you think this is gonna work so um Jean uses her powers to like levitate the jet out of the holding area and lands it outside the fence and then there's like a comedy beat where the military guy is like nobody's gonna get anywhere with this jet and then he like turns around and he's like what and then like falls over I love that too it's like they didn't you see Gene quietly moving an entire jet out of the base, which is really funny. I know. Mystique and Storm are going through the coordinates as Storm is flying, and she's like, okay, it's here. And Bobby's checking a map. He's like, oh, that's Area 51. I'm like, oh, of course it is. Yeah. Of course we're going to Area 51. Yeah, so that's where the that's where the mutants are being held, is Area 51, of Area course. Area 51, which is honestly the most obvious place they could have put them. Yeah. But okay, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, Wanda and Toad are staking out in New York City. They're watching the i don't know who's removing the sentinel uh, allegedly the government and yeah. they're revealing that magneto is not there underneath it mm-hmm. and wanda's like he didn't perish <laughs> and toad's like you want a hug and wanda stomps on his foot which is really funny like it is toad keeps up being like can i touch you and wanda's like no yeah so wanda wants to know if magneto is still alive and toad says say no more my crimson cutie i've got just the thing and he points to a news broadcasting truck down on the tr- on the ground and i love that he called her crimson cutie I know, like it's funny i don't know i like toad's lines on this show generally like they come up with some fun slain for him yeah i also like their chemistry or lack thereof because it's like wanda's like the angry sarcastic one and like he's adorable i don't know it's very like raven and beast boy i don't know i enjoy it so anyway toad bangs on the back of the van and then one guy who's inside goes to like see what it is and then obviously they incapacitate him and then they enter the van and watch i don't know what happens we just see like a ton rip the guy away (laughs) like did toad just like kill kill that dude yeah that guy's dead anyway so they watch the footage and toad is like vamping for the camera and stuff and being like the camera loves me and wanda's like can you please keep watching this yeah, yeah he's like rewinding the footage then goes back and he pauses on on himself and he's like look i'm so hot and we're like <laughs> okay not the time dude yeah so then they get to the part where the sentinel lands on magneto and wanda's like watching it over and over and toad is like i feel your grief cuddle bumps but your dad looks pretty well squashed and wanda's like play it again in slow-mo so they do that and then somehow this is such high quality footage that they can see in slow-mo and like 2003 by the way this was absolutely not possible like i feel like the frame rate for a camera like i don't know i feel like you would know more about this than me but whatever it doesn't Uh, i mean like i think i maybe i think like um if you had better cameras than we did because we didn't we just had home movies yeah so maybe it's like super hd and like super high frame rate i don't know i can't remember I i can't remember the exact year that we really started to make it was around that time period that we were making the jump from film to digital, but like yeah. it was still very new. Maybe this so, was like, digital. I would though. say, yeah. Well, I I think in this universe, I mean, we have they have like fucking streaming technology <laughs> in two thousand three. So least like, Xavier does. I don't know if regular people do. Who knows? I mean, they're like on their laptops doing like live streams and shit. So who knows? Uh, I what I do know is that at that time that this came out, we were still working on film for the most part. So if I had to go back and watch you know, something that we had filmed and shot, I would have to literally rewind on the um the actual tape. And there were, there was a way that you could do it. You could it was called like, like frame a frame by, by frame, frame. But yeah. But like you said, it was still moving like it was like physically moving the tape. So like it would be like a couple seconds. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's possible that they they happened to get a blur that looked like 
Pietro in the middle of that. Yeah, I mean, but. that's what that's what's revealed. I mean, they get to see way, way more shots of Pietro than I feel like would be possible. Where, like, they watch I, well, again, Pietro. I feel like, like the technology that they have in this show is not the technology yeah. we had in the real world. So you we know? get to see Pietro running in and grabbing Magneto right before the Sentinel falls on him. And yep. Toad is like, hey, that's Pietro, like, a full minute later, which is pretty funny, even though it's not supposed that to be. That is really funny. And then Wanda's like, my dear brother seems to have performed a last minute rescue, which means Magneto's still alive. And then she angrily blows up the entire tv console and toad just screams in the background which is like a funny <laughs> shot i mean it's a really good scene yeah uh then we go to the sewers of new york city where berserker is leading them around now remember that berserker in the comic books is in fact a morlock and not a character that really was involved with the x-men too much but mm-hmm. on this show he is yeah so now we're crawling away through the sewers boom boom says a little paint a little wallpaper this place could be downright spooky <laughs> Uh, yeah. And then who should fall from the ceiling other than Caliban? Yeah. Caliban has got such a cool voice on this show. He's not like he does. X-Men the animated series where he's like, Jubilee, is that you? <laughs> and everyone's like, I already what forgot is that happening? was even his voice on that show, but you're right. I know. Yeah. I know. And then there was like the two movies where Caliban was like super gay. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. But no, yeah, he's not, not super flamboyant here. He's just like spooky. Oh, yeah. I like it. I could do his voice. He goes, who are you? What business brings you here? It's so good. And Boom Boom hops behind Berserker. He's like, it's his idea. Every bit of it. Kill him. Yeah. And we're like, okay, thanks, Boom Boom. And Berserker's like, I, we're mutants like you. Up there, we're being hunted. And Caliban reveals what his powers are by being like, I know you're mutants. I always know. Which is like a subtle way to sort of tell the viewer who doesn't know who he is, like, oh, he can tell that they're mutants somehow. Right, that's his power, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, then Berserkus introduces himself and says they're from the Institute and he goes to shake his hand and Caliban just stares at him, which is really <laughs> funny. Yeah, but he also says, you'll be safe here, follow me, which is nice of him. He actually, like, welcomes yeah, I them mean, in. Caliban, Caliban is a... He's a good character in the comic books. Like, he... I mean, he is sympathetic. Mm-hmm. You know, he... I, I would love to see somewhere in one of these cartoons them do the friendship that Caliban and Cable had. Like, it was really good. Like, I like Caliban. Anyway, uh, so maybe is following Caliban to the Morlock tunnels. We don't see the Morlocks in this episode. Uh, then we see a hawk flying around outside of Area 51. We know it's Mystique because it's a hawk. <laughs> like, as soon as, like, there's any pan on an animal that's not any character, like, it's not Wolfsbane or something, like, okay, well, this is going to be a mistake. Yep. A security guard is inside. He's sitting in his chair eating his donut because it's, like, He's a cop. Yeah. Another soldier walks in and says, Captain wants to see you. And the security guard's like, oh, what do I do now? And he, like, leaves. And then that soldier turns out to be Mystique. Who then starts hacking the systems. And so she turns off the sensors on the fence so the X-Men and the Brotherhood can get inside. This is where she calls the ship the Velocity. And I was like, oh, I guess that's what that is. Hi, everyone. This is the Velocity. And Storm is waiting inside the Velocity. And she's like, you just worry about getting everybody out safely. So Storm is basically like the getaway car. And everybody else is breaking in to save their friends. And so then we get to see some shots of the X-Men who were captive being tortured. So that's fun. So some scientists are like using this weird tool to break uh, the various mutants out of the green goo that the Sentinel had covered them in that incapacitated them. Yeah. Yep. And then one of the generals is also interrogating Wolverine, who in classic Wolverine fashion is handcuffed to a metal pallet because like that's always what you do with Wolverine for some reason. Yeah, yeah, you put him in bondage. That's what we do. Yeah. And the guy is like, who are you? Who are you working for? And Logan's like, what's it to you, bub? I know. Also, like (laughs) the general's also like, did you create that robot? Did you build it? And I was like, where's Trask? Aren't they in Trask's area? Like, but then I was like, no, they can't be. I think the robot 
shot them all and then the government scooped up the the remains of that it's kind of interesting though because the last time we saw logan he was kidnapped by trask so like how did they end up with logan you know what i mean like they kind of skipped a step here where it's like how did they get him that's why i'm confused because logan's still strapped down like he was in trask's place but now the government's here and they're demanding to know who built the robot what it is we don't know where trask is he's like bounced yeah. right so like I mean, maybe trask like set up logan to take the fall basically because like logan was just left behind but that doesn't even make sense logan's just like locked they walked into a room and logan's strapped to a, a table they're like did you build that robot like obviously not yeah like, he's, like does why logan would he... really look like the kind of guy who's sitting around building robots like he's a little too busy working out like what, what yeah you... that's true <laughs> logan then tries to bite the dude's neck he's like i'm gonna tear your throat out and that's the end of that there's a really cool animation here where we have two x teams splitting up inside the base and they're motioning at each other where to go mm-hmm. and i liked that yeah it's cool and like apparently mystique is the one directing them from the control room and she's like telling them like Iceman, third door in the next corridor okay but like then this amazing scene maddie can you describe this amazing scene you mean bobby and kitty no the one with the security guard walking back into oh, the that room one. okay so the security guard walks back into the room sees that it's mystique and not the guy who made him leave and like mystique just kicks him in the face and his soda goes flying i mean it's fun he's like hey who are are you a mystique just turns around and kills him and it's like okay i love you mystique she's iconic but you're right there's another amazing scene with kitty and bobby where they're like breaking into the circuit room yeah. and they go in and yeah, the motion sensors didn't get turned off because mystique was busy murdering somebody and wasn't able to turn them off for bobby and so bobby's like uh okay i'm just gonna create an ice bridge and we're just gonna walk over these and kitty's like okie dokie (laughs) so they do that (laughs) and then when they get to the other end um bobby opens the control panel and like takes out a wire cutter and hovers it over the wires and kitty's like are you sure you know what you're doing and bobby goes if i don't every alarm in this place is about to go off and then like he slowly cuts a wire and like nothing happens and it's like okay phew he did a good job and then he's like trying to look cool twirling the wire cutters around and immediately drops them it's so gay by by the way it's, it's like he's like he's like yeah and i'm like oh my god but like this is a scene where it's like kitty and bobby are they gonna hook up and it's like no it's no. just like this is his, her gay bff yeah. that's what's happening so then a million alarms go off because bobby dropped the wire cutters onto the motion sensors and then the soldiers are all running around like looking for intruders and it's like yeah that was all pointless. yeah and then people goes to kurt who's like so much for the stealth portion of our plan yeah then they're immediately cornered with dudes with guns we're back to this again gene flings them away Avalanche quakes the others to fall down. Mystique runs into the room. Yep. And she's like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Uh, like, that's that's that. And so she tells them to follow her. So they do that. Then we go to the room where all the captive mutants are. Spike is, but I don't know. They like took Spike out of his green cum, I guess, and put him inside like this cell that has holes in it, which doesn't seem like a good plan. Yeah. Uh, Logan motions to Spike and Spike nods and he flings Spike's the hole at Logan's restraints, which frees one arm, which allows him to claw his way out. Mm-hmm. Logan then tears the table out of the ground and throws at a bunch of soldiers. Logan cuts Evan out. And then Evan runs to Beast and frees Beast. And then Beast frees Rogue by like this montage of them smashing glass open left and right. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, we see Fred getting himself free of the green. Which view. is so cool. It I love cool. that scene. It I was cool. like, Fred doesn't even need anybody to help him because he's so strong on his own. Yeah. And so he was encased in this like huge dome thing. And he like picks up the entire dome and like throws it into a wall. And then like Beast throws a bunch of guards inside the dome and then like closes it again. And it's pretty bad. 
badass. And they like wave at them and they all leave. And I was like, I love this. Yeah, it's fun. Then there's a scene where Logan... Kurt teleports next to Logan and they're cute together. And teleports him out, right. Yeah, and then they teleport back to Mystique and there's a shot of Nightcrawler standing next to Mystique in a very much like, this is my mom kind of way. And Logan's, <laughs> and like, Logan's like, why the, why fuck, the is fuck is Mystique here? here? Yeah. And Nightcrawler's like, it's a little complicated. You see, the other day, and Mystique's like, I'll send you a memo. Let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And so then everybody runs down the hallway. Um, they run back into Scott, Jean, and Avalanche. And Mystique is like, we need to get the fuck out of here. And Avalanche is like, we've got company. And Mystique is like, yeah, just go ahead and murder them. And Scott is like, wait, we don't murder people around here. And like, oh my it's God. Annoying. We're like, is this the time? Like, and so he, Avalanche causes the roof to collapse on the guards but gene slides the guards out of the way real quick yep uh and then they're all sealed inside this room and logan's trying to like stab the door and as usual doesn't work bobby's like hey there's a roof exit over here let's go this way this is the scene that we hate by the way so mystique says to storm that they need pickup service in building five and then so they all get out there's like a scene where like they're all teleporting out i think kitty helps fred phase through the hole because he's not small enough to get through yeah i didn't mind that because i was like this I is kitty either... ma- like actually helping fred as opposed to like making fun of him for being too big to fit through the vent like that was how i right. read it anyway that's how i read it too i was like i didn't hate it so that was a nice change of pace because yeah. it's like they're friends now instead of kitty like making fun of fred which yeah I right that. And so and so now mystique is the last one out and then cyclops pulls a great in front of her and she goes what are you doing out of my way? And Cyclops is like, not until you tell me where the professor is. And Mystique's like, are you fucking insane right now? Let me pass or I'll never see him again. And Cyclops like, door is closing. You've got three seconds later. One, two. And Mystique's like, let me through. You haven't got the balls. And then Cyclops such shuts the door on her. And Avalanche is like, what the fuck is actually wrong with you? And Cyclops like, she deserves that. And I was like, does she though? Because I disagree with that. Also, like, what kind of danger are you putting her in? She can shape shift. When she gets to the back to the bottom of that ladder, she's just gonna turn into a guard, and be like, they locked me in here. Like, what do you think's gonna happen, Cyclops? Yeah, like she can just get out of it immediately. And also, well, later on, Cyclops realizes that he fucked up because he didn't actually get the information out of Mystique that he wanted. No, he doesn't. Okay, but by the way, it's like five episodes from now where like Mystique comes back and she like straight up tries to murder Cyclops. Like there's a whole episode to her trying to kill him and then eventually leaving him in the desert to die. I mean, that's basically just payback though, because Scott was essentially oh, leaving Mystique to die or get experimented on and tortured forever. That's like, what she says. She's like, she, I don't remember all the lines in that episode, but she's like, yeah, you fucking deserve this. You piece of shit. Like I, Mystique is not lighthearted when it comes to revenge yeah like she's gonna torture you she's gonna make you struggle and she's gonna watch like that's what she's gonna do yeah um so anyway they all get onto the the ship and gene is basically like we don't have time for this you know trying to break up the fight and like we don't have time let's get out of here so they all fly away uh bobby and scott shoot their powers at some missiles that are following them they go to the brotherhood house or at least the brotherhood goes to the brotherhood house and just sneaks in to get some clothes and there's like a quick joke where like toad only got wanda's clothes and nobody else is and like also the cops have surrounded the brotherhood house that's like why they have to sneak in there yeah and lance is like hey toad where these are all of wanda's clothes where's our stuff and he's like yeah well like who cares what we wear i was like (laughs) and also he's like picked out an entire outfit for wanda which is 
pretty gay. Just saying. That is pretty gay. Yeah. That is pretty gay. Um, so Wanda pushes him and Toad goes, she makes a guy want to brush his teeth, which is a cute line. It is. Uh, meanwhile, the X-Men are all scowling in the direction of the blown up mansion. I don't know if they're still a makeout point or if they're somewhere else yeah, now. Yeah, they're just like in some woods and Logan's using his binocs to look at where the mansion used to be. And Kitty's like, now what? The Institute's gone. The professor's missing. We can't go back to school. We can't go back to school. The new mutants are missing. Yeah. And also everybody's trying to fucking kill us. And Kurt goes. Like, I mean, she's got a point like yeah. and kurt goes look on the bright side no homework which i think is the only joke in this entire episode like, <laughs> yeah honestly it is it is it's definitely not the only joke because you just heard us list off a bunch of other ones like boom boom in the sewers talking about what the place looks like the fact that wanda and toad have been having a hilarious flirtation slash wanda being annoyed at toad there have been plenty of other jokes in this episode but i do think that this episode has fewer jokes total and a much darker tone than previous episodes of the show. And that is very noticeable with Kurt's line about the homework here because the characters don't react to it as though it's a joke. They're very serious in this moment. And that's part of why this joke stands out so much because it's not diluted by other characters smiling or being like, oh, Kurt, it's like, no, we are really fucked here. And then meanwhile, Scott is just brooding in the corner and Gene's like, Scott, it's not your it's not all your fault. And Scott's like, yeah, right. Face it, Gene. I blew it. I gambled and I lost. Without Mystique, there's no way to find the professor. And it's like, yeah, you did fuck up, Scott. And then Logan's like, hey, if you hadn't done it, bub, I would have. We'll find him without her. And I was like, mm, I don't know, Logan. I don't know if I agree with you on that, but whatever. I mean, I do agree that Logan would have done it because Logan's very impulsive and like not tactical at all. But like if <laughs> Logan would have done something, that's not like a sign that it was the right thing to do. I do really enjoy that Logan has been around as long as Mystique has. But like unlike Mystique, he has he's like still kind of like a terrible fighter. Yeah. You know, like well, he's just he's just like a terrible thinker. He's a good fighter, but he's not a good like long term player. Planner. He's just kind of like, I'll use my claws to get out of this one. Like he can fight and throw shit around, but like it, as soon as it gets too tough, like he always gets captured yep. because he doesn't ever plan for that. And it's like, Logan, how do you not learn? Yeah, like I know. What? I so I would believe that Logan would just be like, uh, yeah, I'll just shut Mystique in this box and that'll work and it's like no dude it didn't do anything <laughs> i know i love logan so that's when storm has that really dark line where she's like but for right now we have a world out there to worry about a world that fears us and as a black woman and a mutant and a gay i understand this <laughs> somehow we must teach them that we are the good guys before it's too late and they kill us all yeah. and that's the end of that episode yeah it's grim it is grim yeah. as fuck it's like i mean there's a reason why i love these three yeah. episodes you know what i'm saying like it's all it's just so good yeah before we dive into why we like it i'm giving it a 10 out of 5 x's like i love this episode <laughs> so much it's really good and it's like what you just said you're like there's one joke in this entire episode it is it's kind of a joke but it's also just a really sad joke because it's like yeah you probably never will have homework again because you don't get to go to school anymore because you're not considered like a citizen anymore like you are now a second class yeah. citizen and you are on the run for the rest of your life and you're fucked like that is their new reality and that is a completely different show which is interesting right yeah and uh, it both mystique and storm in this episode were like oh they know about us now. We're going to die. That's it. Yeah. And Storm's at least being like, okay, so maybe we could do something about it. Yeah, I think it's the next episode where like Storm and Beast, like there's a hearing about it and they show up like in their full form mutant. I don't know. Appearance. They, yeah. I Like Storm, like 
throws the doors open dramatically and she's like bitch i'm here like it's great <laughs> i don't know because i mean the next episode is about juggernaut it's called the stuff of heroes so i i'm not sure if that's also the episode that has the hearing he's he's in it no it is he's in it in the background but he's like a background plot device to what's actually happening mm-hmm. it's definitely interesting to see juggernaut come back because like i'm obviously against xavier and all of his fucking decisions that led to this moment so like juggernaut coming back feels apropos to me where it's like well yeah these are all the things that xavier has attempted to bury in the corner and be like that's not going to be an issue for anybody and it's like nah dude you didn't really prepare for this yeah you gotta like deal with your bullshit like this is fucked up dude yeah so okay tell me why you liked this episode maddie well i'm also gonna give it a perfect score i feel like mainly what i like about the episode was the pacing and the mystery of it like I love that we still don't know where Xavier is that's really cool I like Mystique sort of holding that over everybody's head but also still being interesting and relatable and like having her own motivations that we don't fully know yet and then on top of that I also liked the long news broadcast and just the general aura of fear throughout the entire episode the fact that the X-Men are fighting the cops again like all of that is interesting and cool and sad in just it's an adult show now like it's just straight yeah i mean like that's that's what i love about this show though is that like i mean in review we watched season one and we're like this is a lot darker for season one than i remember it being and season two had its moments as well but like i knew that like season the end of season two and the beginning of season three just changes the scope of the show which i think is admirable i'm they could have gone into season three with a totally different perspective and they didn't. They decided to keep on doing this. Yeah. I mean, they could have just had like the mutants not be discovered somehow. I mean, don't ask me how, but like they basically just decided to change the show. They were just like, let's stop doing the show that we were doing and do a different show. You know? Well, I mean, it's not though. It's like, it is progressive. Like season two led to this moment. You know what I mean? It's not like it just happened out of the blue. I think what I like about it is that we have these perspectives from Mystique, Xavier, and Magneto. There's just different perspectives, and there's no right or wrong here, but what we're learning is like that everything that they all believed, none of it is going to work now. Like mm-hmm. That is what we've learned. And so we have these ex-kids that are terrified of what's going to happen to them as like these outed queer kid mutants. They don't know what's going to happen, and now people are scared across the entire nation and potentially the world that like anybody could be a mutant i also feel like it is a great setup for the mcu like this concept is like i I keep saying it but they just need to take x-men evolution and follow the footnotes yeah like it's all here yeah i agree i also think it's kind of interesting if you sort of compare this with x-men tas where x-men tas started out its very first episode with the sentinels attacking a public space and finding a teenage mutant jubilee and then that was where the episodes started like that's the beginning of the story whereas with this show basically we've had a lot of backstory we've had tons of teenagers and we've gotten to know all of them in their entire lives and different backgrounds for two seasons up to the beginning of season three which is like the fallout of x-men tas so it's kind of like as though now this show is catching up to where tas started in terms of like being about adults and it's like now all the mutants they're like post-puberty mutants now. You know what I mean? Like they're all yeah, they're yeah. all grown up now and they are caught up to where TAS was in terms of politics. Like now we have the president as a minor character. We have Trask. We have like this idea of adults with 
social power and governmental power like in their lives in a very real way as opposed to just like who's dating who at the high school you know like that's really interesting like it's it's basically as dark as TAS was all of a sudden it, well I also feel like this is darker in a lot of ways but I also feel like we had a slow build to get here where it's yeah I mean it's kind of it's kind of what I love about Steven Universe either also where like it was a very slow build to yep. the very dark sh- shit that we ended up dealing with on Steven Universe same with Legend of Korra like it took its time getting there well I feel like Legend of Korra the slow buildup was like Avatar, which is much more of a kids show that had like also has a right. very, very slow build. And then like Korra is like the more adult version of it that like builds further on yeah, that world. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But this is a little bit reversed in the sense that like we're just building our way up from like this kids show that started off as a kids show. And like, I like that it took its time to develop these characters and made the viewers understand what they were going through before they shoved them into this bigger universe. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? We have Nick Fury here. We have the government. We have like it's before everything was like, what's happening in Bayville this week? You know, that's, it's gone from that to being like, now the whole world is here and this much more terrifying perspective. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I think it was a really cool way to go about it. And like, as you pointed out, basically this show just takes it really fucking slow in a way that TAS couldn't really do. Like TAS was really simple, really broad, portrayals of like specific tropes. Like it was always really obvious what every episode was about, what the metaphor was. This show is like really slow and thoughtful and like, letting you get to know every single character before you see them in danger and then see how they react to that. Yeah. Which is cool. I mean, it's just, it's a different show, but it's also still a lot of the same themes. And I think that shows like how media changed in between TAS and this show. It was basically like, yeah, kids can handle something complex like this. That's a really good point. And like, it's very different now. And like, I think us making those relations to 9-11 during this was also really important to keep an eye on as well, because like it, we knew that was the case. Like we knew that they mm-hmm. were basing a lot of this on that. And like, this is xenophobia. And also like making a political show for kids. Yeah. Like that's interesting. It's tough to do. Yeah. And like, I think, again, I think this is why they did not get to continue the show and ultimately why the show, I wouldn't call it a failure. I do not call this show a failure, but I think the reason why the network decided that they were done with the show is that they're like, this show is too grim and dark for children. And we're not going to like allow that. Whereas I feel like if this show came out now, it would have a lot more seasons than it did back then. Cause I don't think the world was ready for this kind of show. But mm-hmm. since then we've had a lot darker like we've had we have she-ra recently Mm -hmm. i've already noted steven universe and um legend of korra but like the idea of doing like a darker more political version of a show for children is like not that far out there anymore yeah but at the time this this came out it was like the only other shows that he had even attempted to do this was the original x-men the animated series like gargoyles and gargoyles and then and then nothing for a very long time yep you know like this was like probably the last of it and they tried capturing that tone that X-Men the Animated Series had touched on in a world where, like, the cartoons at this time were very cartoony. Like, I don't mean, like, 90s Ren and Stimpy, Rocco's Modern Life. I mean, like, everybody, everything kind of looked like this show. Like, all the animated shows looked like this show at this time. Mm -hmm. And then, like, cartoons for a little while after, like, 2005, I would say, like, between, like, that 05 to, like, 2011 bracket like they just were like in a weird space, which maybe that had to do with the writer's strike. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I think also that was a time period when cartoons for adults were becoming huge. Like Adult Swim was huge. Yeah. Uh, Adventure Brothers, you know, uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, like anime airing on Adult Swim and like the idea of like basically just adult cartoons or like young adults watching cartoons was completely fine. Oh, wait, because like before that, we just had like 
the Simpsons, Futurama, like the critic and family guy. Like that was yeah. it. Like South yeah, Park. Which like obviously those things were wildly popular as well, where it's like, okay, like what if a cartoon was like really gaudy and like had sex jokes in it and stuff like that? Like, sure, whatever. Okay, and then we live in a world like where like a show like Rick and Morty is normal. Exactly. But I feel like you're making the point that like there's still a value in having an animated show that is simple enough for children to understand, but also includes really deep, challenging messages. And there were not that many shows in that category at that time. Like, Avatar, no, there wasn't. The first Avatar is like good example of a show that was starting to do stuff like but that. That was years later. Yeah, that was like I'm not, not sure at this that time period. Airing. That was like 2009 ish. No, sorry. I think 2007, 2008. That's when that started. 2005 to 2008. Yeah. Okay. So like right after X-Men Evolution. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it took a while to get deep. Like the first season of Avatar was still super childish. I think people wanted to tell these stories that they didn't know how to do that yet. You know, and it's, it's normal. I think that's part of it. And I also think the way the politics were in this time period, like shit was getting real. Like we were about to be in two endless wars. Civil rights and gay rights were continuing throughout all of that time. But like it was just really grim. This is like right at the start of all this. Yeah. I mean, it was like at the start of the time period that we're in now. Uh, This is what we talk about, like sort of uh, about our generation, too, because we had already graduated high school, but we were like very early into college years. And like a lot of people who are age, they are just maybe settling down now in their late 30s. And everyone talks about our generation as sort of being like the lost generation because they're like, well, what are they going to do? We're like eternal children. Yeah, Which it was really difficult for us as like closeted queer kids during Mm -hmm. the like the 90s and like the early 2000s. And obviously things are different now. But then like coming out of that, I'd be like, okay, let me figure out life. And then two wars happening. And then like the politics, like really getting like, they're still really fucked up. Yeah. And also we went right into a recession. Yeah. Like that was 2008. Yeah. We didn't really fully recover from that. And then 2020 happened. So like, I I mean, it's just kind of like, I feel like we're like this weird survivor generation. (laughs) Like we're like, What's going to happen tomorrow? Nobody fucking knows. We can't even plan that far ahead, apparently. Yeah, and I feel like this episode, weirdly enough, was speaking to those precise post-9-11 anxieties where it's like, we don't know what the world looks like anymore. Like, we we are in a new millennium and we don't know what the future holds, but we do know that people hate us and they're scared of us and like what the fuck like yeah being a queer kid in 2001 not ideal not ideal (laughs) yeah it wasn't this show is really good it it touches on all of these different allegories that we've talked about and this is just the beginning of season three i'm really looking forward to this season we got to enjoy the last of x-men evolution that we have so it's this season and then a very short season four so i'll take it where i can Mm -hmm. uh because wolverine and the x-men is not i mean it's got it's it i would say it's political and I would say it probably is deeper than I remember it being. But in terms of emotional depth, I don't think it is there like this show is. Yeah, I'll be interested to find out. Um, I'm definitely not familiar with that show. So like I'll, it'll be for me the first time watching a lot of it. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. Um. So do we want to talk about who's gay? The X-Men I mean, I guess, I guess like the cons, I mean, they're all gay in the sense that like, 
they're now on the run for being gay. Yeah, I mean, okay. So, like, the only thing that I did kind of notice, and this is truly just me inserting a narrative that's not really there, was, like, both Mystique and Storm kind of being the two moms of the group and, like, fighting. I was like, I don't hate this ship. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I wasn't against it. And I was like, maybe they just, like, have angry sex, like, one time in the midst of all of this. I could see that for them. You know what I mean? I mean, Mystique has said in the past that she is sympathetic to Storm's claustrophobia, remember? Yeah, she has. And also, like, Storm probably respects Mystique a little bit. And I don't know. I think they both respect each other a little, but they also, like, don't like each other. Yeah. Whatever. But yeah. I don't I don't feel like there was, like, any moment in this where I was like, that's the scene where those two characters were off to fuck. Like, yeah. it's, like, almost like they don't have time for that now they really don't i mean nick fury is worried about wolverine that's the other thing okay wait okay there is that there is that scene where nick fury was like i've got my winky winky reasons and we're like we don't know who you're winking about because none of these characters know that but we yeah. as the viewers <laughs> he's do just winking at the camera and he's like remember the episode where me and logan fucked and we're like yeah okay but, also uh... the idea of nick fury winking is really funny because he's wearing an eye patch <laughs> okay, that's a really good point he's, yeah, okay okay fair enough um so he can't wink or he can but we can't see it maybe he's winking at them and they're like why does he does he have something in his eye he keeps blinking at us yeah. a lot i don't know so um those are the characters who are gay also i feel like both toad and wanda are gay and they're just you know hanging out together so that nobody figures it out that's that yeah those are the characters who are gay uh i guess that's the end of the episode there's no who's that x-men right so no not this week i don't think it's it's gonna be a while before we touch on one of those so mm-hmm. but this was a good episode i loved it it was great it was fantastic um so as i said before next week's episode is the stuff of heroes it's gonna be about juggernaut gonna be a fun time it's also about the government chasing them even more oh boy <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of that going on here so. yeah we're gonna get a lot more sad shit in this show um so let's get into plugs uh so mutantages.com coolest website in the world you've been there we like you it. Know all about it have you been there Check i don't it know out. have i been there the end okay bye everyone <laughs> i mean honestly we don't need to say anything else because it's all there but we're gonna do it anyway just in case just in case um so our email address the mutantages at gmail.com write in you can, you too can be featured on a listener feedback episode um we have a discord server that we talked about a ton on listener feedback last week because it's awesome and you should hang out in it we've got a link to it at mutantages.com and we also have a voicemail inbox which is 1-508-319-1668 and we have a P.O. Box for physical mail. We do. Which is P.O. Box 3344, Natick, Massachusetts, 01760. And then we have like every social media in the world. So like you could tweet at us. You could follow us on Pinterest. You could follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Tumblr. Uh, I think that's it. And uh, okay. Yes. We also have individual <laughs> accounts, Maddie. Where are you? I am at Mitty Myers at all those places I just listed. What about you? I am at Ryan Pagella on Twitter and at Ryan.Pagella on Instagram. I also have a YouTube channel, which is Ryan Pagella. And that's at least it's easy to find me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do lots of adventure vlogs. I've been really super hyper focused on theme parks. You know, I would love to do more Disney stuff, but I've been hitting up Six Flags and carnivals and shit. And so, like, if you want to see some fun footage of rides, I do a lot of stuff there. Mm-hmm. And I, I dance a lot. <laughs> but we also have a YouTube channel for the Mutant Ages where yes, we, we play do. through every video game that is X-Men related. It's been a while. We will probably get to that again very soon. Yeah. But sometimes I take clips from this show and match it up with cartoon clips of the actual animated shows. Sometimes we do parody videos. 
if you want to see some fun Resident Evil shit, we've done a bunch of like episodes where we've dressed up as Leon and Jill and like <laughs> yeah, made and funny raps. still on the Mutant Ages channel because don't worry about it because Resident Evil is uh, still related. Yeah. Sure. Okay. And also for anybody that listened to the last listener mail, we've referenced Demon in that, which is our high school quote unquote film we made that's like not a home it's like it's it's i wouldn't say it's good but like we do it that's up there also you can watch that we react to it live with you so we're watching it with you and it's a lot of fun and we also refer to it constantly because like the fact that we made two full-length x-men parody films when we were teenagers i mean that's gonna come up a lot on our x-men podcast it does it does i also have a twitch channel where i stream all sorts of video games i started off playing avengers I'm playing so much of Resident Evil Village and Dead by Daylight right now that it's taking up like all my streaming time. <laughs> but eventually I'll get back on there and I am open to within the Discord playing some Avengers with some of the viewers or listeners if they would like to do that mm-hmm. because some of these missions are near impossible by yourself. Yep. Uh, and they, they're planning on dropping on some DLC in there too. So that would be fun. And if you want to know when I'm live, I have a section on our Discord that says Ryan's streaming right now. So mm-hmm. you can know. Just another reason to join the Discord and hang yeah. out in the chat. I mean, like, also, everybody is so fantastic on there. And there's, like, I love the conversations happening. Everyone's sharing, like, comic book stuff. And, like, I don't know. I, I love it over there. Yeah, it's awesome. Check that out. Um, What else do we have? How can you support us, Maddie? Well, you could buy something in our store. We've got a Bishop t-shirt of him saying time travel is real. We've got the logo on all kinds of merch. Um, So that's our Teespring store. You can find a link to that in the show notes or at mutantages.com. But also, if you want to support us in a more regular way, you can go to patreon.com slash the mutant ages and you can back us at a variety of tier levels from $1 to many, many dollars. And you can get bonus episodes of the show. You can get our soundtracks, all kinds of stuff. And if you back us at the highest tier, you get a shout out on the show. Maybe you want to do that Caliban voice again? <laughs> All right. Hold on. Hold on. Um, welcome, Brock, Samuel <laughs> B, Soren B, and Zach S. Yes, I know your mutants. I always know your mutants. <laughs> you will be safe here within the mutant ages. Join us on Friday nights for our pride club room in the Morlock Tunnels. <laughs> Come with me. Oh my god. <laughs> I love it. I love that's it. That's like tapping into some haunted house voice right there. Yeah, that's some good shit. I like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is Give it. Give us a that rating is all the plugs. if you haven't oh, already. Right, 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 right. Of course. If you can't afford to support us financially, that's totally fine. But please give us a rating. Please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Facebook or whatever platform you use that has some type of star rating on it please consider reviewing our show or share it with your friends on social media. Be like, this is an X-Men podcast that I like. It's cool. It's good. It's X-Men. Yeah, it's the X-Men. Okay, can we clap at the same time? Nope. Nope. Apparently not. Okay, we. when Ryan and Maddie get together, all rhythm goes away. That's a real superpower. Yep. Anyway, we'll see you next time. See you next time. The mutant.